Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hey, Chelsea fans, before we get into this episode this week, recapping the victory over Hull City, we just want to take a moment of silence before the show starts and uh, thoughts of those affected and the lives lost in the Parkland School shooting in Florida this week. And uh, just to let them know that, uh, you know, our uh, thoughts and hearts uh, go out to all of them and the individuals uh, afflicted and affected. So a moment of silence for them before we start the show. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. That's right, no Brandon Busby this week. He's kicking soccer balls on the field, not for Chelsea, somewhere in ice-cold Minneapolis. I know I've been there recently enough to know that it is covered in snow or a lot of white stuff, whatever that might be. But fear not, friends. The wonderful Nick 
has made it through this weekend, has gotten a full eight hours of sleep, apparently, thanks to Chelsea not capitulating against the lower level side again, and is with us today. That's right. Um, I barely woke up in time, uh, so you're welcome. Uh, but, but yeah, excited to be back, excited to not have a 6.30 a.m. kickoff so I could get a little bit of rest, and uh, yeah, excited to, uh, excited to talk about a win. And a Friday match, nonetheless. You know, we're having to come up with a lot of excuses as to why we're not working during the middle of the week, Nick. That's right. Um, and by now, you have all been pros at setting your, your meetings uh, and, and organizing your schedules as such. You're going to have to do that again on Tuesday. So um, prepare yourself this weekend. Yeah, there's a, a lot of thought that goes into being a Chelsea fan, especially when you're living overseas and the times do not align up. But in order to fill out our triumvirate this week, uh, we went and reached out to a wonderful individual we had a chance to meet up with very briefly um, at the Cock Tavern before uh, one of the matches we were at over in Stamford Bridge when we went with Excel Tours in December. And that's Nini FC from Brewlines TV. We've been looking to have him on for a long time, and it is finally that moment. Welcome, Nini. How are you doing? I'm doing great, you guys. Thank you for inviting me on. I've been looking forward to coming on, and and yeah, I'm excited to start this podcast. Yeah, well, and, and I think this time we don't have, uh, what was it? I think it was your girlfriend that uh, held you up from a, a longer meetup last time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. I had to meet her uh, out of the blue in London. So that came up from nowhere. Uh, I think I had her keys uh, to get back home. So, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I had them, but, you know, you, you, you guys have to blame her for that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have uh, more time to uh, to take in some beverages uh, either before or after we, we beat Spurs when we're over there in April. So we're, we're looking forward to seeing you again. But we will transition into our show here. And, and Nick, I think the first thing we want to do is uh, congratulate some uh, wonderful winners uh, thanks to uh, WorldSoccerShop.com. That's right. Uh, so as you guys know, we did a, uh, a contest for new signings uh, and, and home kits associated with those winners. So just wanted to quickly say a shout out to Wagner Lage, uh, to Brent and Z Burley um, winning the Emerson, Giroux and Barkley kits respectively. Uh, there, there may be a chance, Dan that we have another special surprise coming up and uh, and you'll want to be uh, staying tuned for that, right? Yeah, maybe around the, the third uh, kind of break in between the social media questions and the start of the Barcelona preview. There, there might be some some wonderful nugget in there. <laughs> if this was a, a, you know, a national treasure type movie, they would have just skipped to the end where you can where you can listen to, to where the treasure is. So this it's is, the choose your own adventure yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to break up through the whole city match. And uh, that took place at the FA cup here this Friday, the 16th of February, 2018. Uh, the score blues for the tigers zero and uh, not, not many score predictions uh, predicting that we'd be that proficient. And uh, Nick, we, we had some, some rotation, as you predicted, in those lineups. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was pretty sharp looking. Right. So we knew Barcelona coming up on Tuesday, there was obviously going to be, um, you know, rest given to our most important players. Uh, that's what we saw. 
Uh, we also saw some opportunity for uh, for the youth, as it were. So uh, Willie C in goal had a, had a standout game. Rudiger, Ethan Ampadu, who was tremendous. Uh, Gary Cahill coming back in. Zappa Costa, Drinkwater, Fabregas, uh, and Emerson getting his uh, full debut for Chelsea. Uh, William Giroux and Pedro up front. So a nice balance uh, in the lineup, uh, Nini, between uh, some some new boys coming in and some uh, some important attacking uh, talent to get this win. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I was impressed with Ampadu. And one thing I really really like about Ethan is it's that mental fortitude that he seems to have. And I think. He's definitely had the advantage over a lot of younger players. You know, of course, when he was at Exeter, he was in the first team since he was 15, not necessarily playing all the time, but to pick up minutes in a very, you know, physically dominant league, you really have to, you really have to, you know, have that agency. You have to be mentally strong. You have to be willing to, you know, take a hit from an opponent striker. You have to be willing to get into the, uh, for the tackle. And I think that's what Conte really, really likes about Ethan and sometimes I think maybe Conte sees a little bit of himself in Impardu. Maybe. Yeah, I think you might be right there. There's uh there's also a little bit of uh of Dave in in, the, in his style of play as well. I think he's not just the up, hairstyle, right? Not just the hairstyle. Um just yeah, I think he's just shaping up to be a warrior, you know, a guy that you can count on week after week and you know, if if he had to play against Barcelona, I think he would show that same level of uh, kind of resolve um, that you were saying, Nini. So, Dan, the to round out the bench, Murata, Moses, Kyle Scott, Eduardo, um, Shaloba, brother two, uh, <laughs> Sterling, <laughs> Hudson, Adoy, and that and that would do it. So, um, let's dive into some of these goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, we we had shots, fourteen shots in total, and we had eight on target, and that turned into uh, four wonderful goals. And William didn't want the game to pass him by. Two minutes in, scores the first goal of the game, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a wonderful goal. Nick, I think, really set up with some uh, some poor defensive play that uh, we capitalized on. Yeah. Exactly. And. Um... With William, I've always had this belief that he does much better when he's able to have that freedom of being able to maybe collect the ball in the middle or cut inside on the left-hand side. Because I think that William is a guy that does have a goal threat. And I think, in a way, he has kind of been sacrificed a bit on the right-hand side because he has to play a more support role instead of really affecting the goal. And it's like, for example, you know, let's say you had Arian Robin, you know, he's much more effective on the right-hand side where he's able to test the goal. If he was to play on the left-hand side, his goal threat wouldn't be anywhere near the same. And I think that, you know, with William, maybe, you know, maybe it's because he's been a, a team player for so long. This is why managers seem to be okay with him maybe sacrificing his game a bit. But I have to give credit to Conte. I've been happy that recently he's given the front three a bit more freedom, especially the guys on the left and right, to really interchange positions and swap. And I think that's really helps really in this past two months to really get back to some top-class form. And it was great to see uh, Drew get the assist for that as well, kind of playing him out. Didn't take uh, too much longer to, to <laughs> get another goal in the 27th minute. Uh, the wonderful Pedro, after uh, missing out on a few opportunities earlier, comes good, Nick, and puts us ahead by two. 
Yeah, this was uh, Seth Fabregas written all over the game. Um, you know, whole city, you know, as we as we said last week, whole city's goal is to not win the FA Cup. You know, I'm sure they would have liked to, but they're trying to stay up in the championship. Um, and, you know, it was pretty clear with the with the energy and the tactics that they showed in this game that they were content just kind of dropping off. And when you drop off against Cesc Fabregas, uh, this pass happens um, where he's able to just put the ball anywhere he wants. He's not under pressure. He uh, sees Pedro make one of those darting runs that he does, uh, puts it on a plate for him. Uh, Pedro obviously takes it well uh, and, and, you know, scores. Uh, it's, it's a thing of beauty to watch, and it's something that we got so accustomed to uh, with Diego Costa making some of those similar runs, Nini, but this was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And um, in a way, I've kind of felt that Giroud would do very well especially playing under a Conte system because remember that season a few years back for Arsenal when uh, Ramsey was having fantastic form and, and in a way you could say that Ramsey and Giroud were kind of like a B-Tech, Drogba and Lampard. I think Giroud does really well when he has players <laughs> close to him to play off with and um, me personally, I do kind of feel like maybe he's a striker on the decline but because I think he's playing for a team now that really complements his style more, I think he should be able to extend them for a long, his effectiveness. Yeah, well, and he got a chance to be effective uh, less than 300 seconds later when Chelsea scored the third goal of the match, another uh, Willian outside-the-box attempt. Uh, Giroud makes the, uh, the space, gets a little lucky with where the ball bounces after he kind of pops it forward, and uh, Willian is there to claim it and strike it in, and uh, at this point, it had just gotten pretty embarrassing uh, for Hull. Uh, not not too much fun left for them at that point going down three in the first 33 minutes of the game. And Nick, it rounded out with a 42nd-minute goal, 4-0, and uh, both two of our three January signings uh, connected together and make it happen. Right. Uh, so Emerson, who I thought had a, a really good debut, um, you know, Hull were very poor, but I think he played really well. Uh, gets a, a ball in the box and cuts it back to Giroud, who, you know, instead of trying to do too much, just uh, lets it kind of deflect off of his foot. Um, and it goes in. Like, this is a goal, you know, I think that uh, maybe Hazard and Morata would have tried to do something fancy with uh, back heel flick or something like that. And I think what I love about Giroud is that, you know, and he said this after the game, he was desperate to get this goal. Like, any way it would come, he just wanted to get that monkey off of his back a little bit. Um, and, a, and a goal and two assists in his first two games, not too bad. I think he's uh, he's working out quite well. I, I will quickly say on the on the William goal, his second goal, I think it was better than the first one. Uh, he put that ball outside of the frame uh, an absurd amount, and it kind of just curled back in. Uh, it was a thing of beauty there too, Nini. Yeah, amazing goal. And... Um I'm just really happy to see Williams just back in form. As I was saying earlier, this guy has a goal threat. And um, yeah, it's fantastic to see that he's starting to produce the goods now. So now we've run through uh, the four goals. Yes, we got all of it in before halftime and uh, didn't need to think about scoring after the fact. Give Conte a lot of freedom to uh, pop in some of the youth players later in the match. But, uh, you know, talking about Willian, 
You know, he scored two wonderful goals this game. Uh, you know, sometimes he's accused of being a little bit of a punch card player. You know, four bad appearances, you get your fifth one free, and it's a it's a worldly <laughs> experience. But. <laughs> You know, I mean, I love to think about, you know, Nini, I think part of it, too, is also about where he gets deployed. And I think you've made that point a couple of times, uh, you know, both on, on Twitter, on some of your videos, on your YouTube channel, that uh, he really kind of gets handcuffed by the system maybe a little too much. And, and that's why maybe fans are not realizing that they're upset at how he's being played versus how he can actually play. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think that's the case. And um, I mean, testament to William, um, one thing synonymous with him is his work rate. And I think that's why maybe managers have tended to play him out of his preferred position because they know that they can rely on him to still, you know, be effective. But I really think now he's got that sense of freedom. Now he's able to drift in the middle and, you know, obviously play on the left. He's much more effective. And I mean, there's so many examples. That game against Karabakh, for example, away. That link-up play with him and Hazard, I think, for the uh, was it the second or third goal. A lot of times he was collecting the ball in the middle, and I think, you know, I've kind of always had this crazy theory that, uh, you know, for example, when Morris has been using midfield at times, I've always liked to see maybe, you know, if Conte could experiment maybe with using Willian as a third man midfielder if we use a three-five-two, because I think that would be quite nice to see, because then we could transition to three-four-three if he plays further up. And off the ball, we still got three in midfield. Yeah, I, I think that's that's incredibly interesting. I, I think he has the drive and the pace to, um, you know, make make things happen in that role. You, you saw a couple of times yesterday. His take on game was just ridiculous, um, and that that is one of the things that I think Chelsea are missing when he is not in phenomenal form because. Hazard's just, he's one guy. He's hes one incredible guy, uh, but he's hes one guy. I think you need another threat there um, to uh, to open the game up a little bit. And if you have William darting in and out of space, interchanging and, and playing at his best, you know, that's, you know, that has to be headaches for defenders. Uh, and that, I think that gives Chelsea's attack a whole different vibe um, that, you know, hey, if we're not careful here, he's going to do one or two things really quick and we're going to be down a goal. Uh, and that's that's the kind of thing that I, I'm hoping he turns a corner on. It's it's frustrating to me because, you know, you saw the goals he scored yesterday and they were, they were two just beauties. They were beautiful. And then and then we'll see his performance <laughs> like he came on uh, on on Monday against West Brom and he couldn't place a pass to one of our own players. You know, and it was it's incredible to see that dynamic in one player four days apart. Yeah, exactly. It is. But um, I don't know. I think maybe this past two months, especially his form's definitely been much more consistent than it was at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really just think it's that extra freedom he's playing with that's helping him become a bit more consistent. Actually, not a bit more, a lot more consistent compared to the start. And I just hope it continues. I mean, with William, I mean, what I love about him is that his dribbling style, I mean, he's so quick. The way he shifts his body balance just like that, I mean, it's impossible to defend against. And quite a lot of Chelsea players compliment him on that ability. So, um, yeah, when he's got the ball in the middle where he can run at people, run through them, I've always felt William's a guy that needs to get on the board and touch it to really be able to show what he can do. He's not really the guy that can make a run in behind or, or open up space. And I think that's the main reason as to why he isn't as effective on the right-hand side because 
he's not a Pedro right, who's going to run in behind or stretch play. And I think that's why, I mean, this is a completely different point for another time, but I think that's why the right-hand side can be pretty static and pretty slow. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, Dan. Yeah, so yeah, I think we look at where William is performing uh, currently. Our good friend Jake Cohen uh, highlighted that William currently has 20 goals and assists uh, combined this season uh, across all competitions, 10 of each. And um, you think about that, that six of those have come uh, just within the Premier League alone from an assist standpoint, uh, which ties his high. Uh, over the last uh, five seasons. So you know, he's definitely finding ways to contribute to play. And, you know, it, it actually has been more clinical with the uh, the shots that he's taken, too. He's taken a little less shots uh, than he had. He's, he's at a, a five-season low in the Premier League. Uh, but he's converting uh, 60 or 63% of his shots are actually hitting on target right now, which is uh, exceptionally high and probably not sustainable for the long term. Uh, but I, I think Nini, you make a great call that he's, he's doing something differently and it does seem to be down to formation. And the real question now is, is will he continue the form? And especially when you throw Hazard in there with Giroud and William, like, does he still get the same freedom? Yeah, exactly. And um, again, I think it's going to come down to Conte and him being innovative. I think that's, again, this is the key that's really helped William pick up form uh, for this season. And um, I think I, I go back to the Mares example with Mares. He was kind of not stagnating, actually, maybe stagnating a bit. But when he has been moved into midfield or, you know, playing behind the striker, it's really helped him pick up a lot of form. And I think sometimes that's all players need a lot of times. I mean, another example is Arnautovic. Since he's moved to playing up as a striker, he's been much more effective. And it, sometimes it just makes sense, you know, if a players are picking up the ball in areas they're more comfortab uh, comfortable in, if they're getting the right type of support that they normally like, that can be the big difference between, you know, looking decent and then playing to your maximum potential. Yeah, I also think that he is a confidence player. Um... And, and what I mean by that is uh, I think you saw, um, you know, yesterday the, the goal goes in, you know, in the second minute, which is, a you know, a dream start for anybody, let alone a, a confidence player like William, who then the rest of the game just decides to do whatever the hell he wants because he thinks, you know, I already got the goal. I've already done my job for the day, but now I'm going to try some crazy stuff and I'm going to. You know, I'm going to take, you know, a lucky bounce and, and curl it from outside of the, you know, uh, the goal frame back in uh, like a, a madman. I'm going to take on four guys in one move, uh, you know, and then and then you start to see him, you know, his eyes start to light up and you start to see that kind of uh, yoga bonita uh, Brazilian style of play that he has, you know, and there that's something important. You know, he, he is a different dynamic than Pedro. You, you make a good point. Uh, I think that Pedro yesterday also had a good game, um, so I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like he didn't. But you know, William has that change of direction that uh, only Hazard on this team has. Yeah, the the other uh, interesting point too is in the post match uh, post match interview, uh, William did say that, uh, and we'll probably talk about the penalty <laughs> save later that uh, Willie Caballero made. But uh, apparently, he went over to uh, Mylar. And uh, said to him, "You're going to miss. <laughs> Don't shoot down the in the middle because Willie won't move." And then when he missed, he went to him and said, "I told you so." 
A uh, little gamesmanship there. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. And I think it goes back to your earlier point of, you know, a confident William. I mean, I could never imagine uh, William having the audacity to do that to an opponent. But I, I guess if he's feeling confident, he can do anything. Yeah, he scores uh, scores two goals, has has a little bit of a, a first half uh, wonderful experience. And then just, uh, you know, imagine if he went like three or four games, what he'd be doing. He'd probably be doing slide tackles and <laughs> <laughs> WWE clotheslines across the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Start telling Hazard about to go, you know. Uh, well, as, as we kind of transition on, so we, we did talk about uh, the wonderful element that William had in this match and, and how he played. But I think you know we've, we've hinted a little bit about uh, how much opportunity the youth got in this match to to really excel. And you know, Nini, I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about our our wonderful Welsh dragon, the the wonderful Ethan Ampadu, and just how how composed and confident and and I'm, I'm gonna say it bossy he is uh with the other individuals on that line like he is playing um much like christensen is i think just a little bit more vocal in the way that he directs others to kind of keep their position keep their place in, in that back you know, back three exactly and uh, and this is why i think he has the potential to become a world-class player because he has that type of leadership mentality in terms of, uh, I mean, to think he's 17, I'm seeing him coming on the pitch, telling Cahill where to go. He's telling Rudiger, uh, you know, where to come to position himself. He's got that confidence and it seems that the players respond to that positively because they just listen to him. You know, it's, it's, it's as if they're, they're treating him like a normal first team player, which really lets you know how highly valued, uh, valued he is, um, you know, by the whole team. He, he is tremendous. Um, you know, I think when we first saw him back in, in that sweeper role, um, this is, you know, we're kind of like, is that, you know, we saw him in midfield. He looked good. He was, you know, breaking shins and doing his thing. But uh, he is so composed. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, took a couple of <laughs> took a couple of chances yesterday. Uh, that I think he'll learn from. Um, but man, uh, you know, I, I, I wax poetic because he, he typifies the spirit that I think a lot of us uh, think of uh, with Chelsea. And that's kind of that never say die fight to the end, you know, puts his, you know, he had a little bit of a John Terry moment yesterday or a Cahill moment where he put his, his face in uh, to a high boot to get the ball away. You know, it's that kind of, uh, character that I think you know, if he if he keeps this up, he is going to be something special, um, and definitely uh, you know has a has a role model on the team, Dan, that would uh, uh, show him that it's possible in, in Christensen. Yeah, I, I did like the fact too that you you got to see him unfurl a little bit of his pace, uh, even in the first couple minutes of the match where he was you know moving really quickly to to catch up with the ball, and you know when the Ball was coming back occasionally uh, from Hull on a attempt at an attack. I would actually not say an attack, but an attempt at an attack. He was always, uh, you know, very aware of where uh, his man was. He was moving in transition with them. Uh, never looked like he was lost in, in finding that person that he was responsible for. 
Uh, I think you did make the point that he he did have that one pass across basically the entire front of goal to Willie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like what, probably four or five feet just away from the goal line. And I was like, oh, it's a really, yeah, you were, you, you were ballsy. You were, you know, <laughs> I guess when you're 17 and you're, start, you know, getting to start a match for Chelsea, you probably are full with, with some level of confidence, hopefully. Uh, but he, in his past five appearances, uh, has only misplaced seven Passes, hundred seventy nine in is total. Ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous that number. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I just don't even know what you say. I mean, it's a, it, you say it's part of the system, though, Nini. Um, I think it's definitely down to ability as well because um, there were some things he was doing yesterday, which I was thinking is is not the manager telling him to do it, but it's because you know he's a very good defender and. Did, we, did you guys notice how many times he was breaking the line to push into midfield sometimes to really yes. hurry an opponent? And that's a bit David Luiz-esque. And uh, the manager's not telling you to do that. But again, with managers like Conte, you have to express why you're a good player. And sometimes you have to take responsibility in certain moments. And this is a 17-year-old who does, just doesn't want to do the basics. He wants to express himself as well. And I think that's the number one thing I always look at with young players are you confident enough to do your job and express yourself at the same time? And I think that's what Ethan does superbly. Yeah, I would also say really quick that uh, you've started to see Christensen do that a little more too. Um, and, and it might be, Dan, that uh, Conte realizes that, you know, N'Golo Conte can only do so much uh, in the midfield and perhaps, uh, you know, a, a push from the back uh, would essentially help start uh, more attacking movements if we can get kind of a, a higher line up there. So there, there's just that little bit of insight. Well, it has been infuriating to uh, basically know, and, and as someone who played very poorly at a youth level uh, at soccer slash football <laughs> and uh, never uh, studied the way that these individuals did tactically, uh, to know pretty much without a doubt that the ball is going to go uh, from either left to right to a wing back and then up across uh, the outside of the outsides of the pitch uh, to attempt to then cut it back inside. Uh, it would be nice um, to have some diversification in the way that we can start attack. And I, I think, Nini, that if we can get our central of the back three to be more comfortable and confident, I, I think that's going to allow you know, Conte to feel confident. Because it seems like maybe, is it, is it, do you think it's a trust thing? Do you think it's just not how he wants to move the ball out of the back? Or it just doesn't work with the midfielders we have with it kind of going to, you know, Conte and maybe you know, he, him not distributing it forward enough. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think it does come down to Conte, not necessarily the players at his disposal because, um, I mean, disposal. I mean, in my opinion, I feel that Fabregas should constantly be playing alongside Conte because he's the guy that helps us transition out from the back because he's able to drop deep. He wants the ball. And he's good enough to play out and help start attacks or pass out wide to the wing backs. And um, I think we've got another guy as well at the back that can help us play out, and that's David Luiz. Of course, him and Conte are having their own issues. We don't fully know what's happening behind the scenes, but I'm of the belief that we have the solutions in the team to help us a bit more effective at playing out from the back. But I just think maybe, you know, with things happening behind the scenes, who knows? But I think Conte just has a very regimented style at times. 
So we saw uh, not just Ampadu get uh, get the full 90, but uh, Pedro made way at halftime after scoring his goal and putting in a wonderful effort. And Callum hudson and Doy got an opportunity to cameo again. And, you know, just with that 45 minutes, uh, another with, you know, members of the senior team, uh, how did you feel about his performance, Nini, as the uh, the PL2 player of the month getting a chance in the FA Cup? Oh, no, with with uh, Hudson Adoy, I mean, you know, I'm Ghanaian too, just like him. So I'm even happier with what he's doing for his age. I really think, again, he's similar to Ethan in terms of he's playing, but expressing himself at the same time. He's not just doing the simple things, which I think a lot of Chelsea youth in the past have maybe been too worried about because of course there's a lot of pressure to play for the club especially by the managers as well so I really think that if you have that confidence to express yourself and fulfill your role to me that shows you the sign of a top player and I think with Hudson Odoi I like the positions he was taking up especially between the lines where he was becoming that passing outlet he was making those one two so he could uh, you know stretch opposition defences away to create space and you know that was when William was nearly close to scoring a hat trick when he was doing that and I think with uh, Hudson Odoi I think this guy's a very very special talent because what I really love about him is that he has a goal threat as well and I think when he plays a bit more I think he's going to really start showing us plus how effective he is in front of goal yeah I would agree with that I mean I think I think the game is uh, is coming at him pretty quick right now um, at this level. Uh, a guy who, uh, when he when he gets a little bit of a run on a defender, will just blow by him. Uh, you know, he has that kind of elite elite speed. Um, I, you know, I think around goal though. To to your point, Nini, I think you know he's uh, maybe thinking a bit too much. You know, trying to um, make the correct play instead of just going for it and. Uh, you've seen that a couple of times with his decisions in the box, and that will only uh, get better with time. And you know, he's he's certainly shown me enough to uh, to continue to get those those cameo moments, and you know, even potentially, you know, depending on who we draw in the FA Cup next round, you know, get a couple of of matches there as well. So um, it's it's going to be interesting, but certainly a, a guy who. Uh, has an incredibly bright future. Uh, Conte has talked about him uh, a couple of times in press conferences, and uh, I think he has uh, a, a ways to go, but it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you guys... It... Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I, I wanted to ask you guys, in terms of Hudson Adoy's development, do you feel that he maybe he needs a loan move, or should Chelsea just keep him within the squads until he just naturally develops with us? Oh, that's tough. Um, it, it depends. It, it really depends on what Hazard does. Um, you know, hopefully signing an extension. Uh, I think Pedro only has one year left on his deal uh, as well. You know, Williams 30 now. You know, if you, if you start to project how the front line can look in a couple of years, I, th- I think the opportunity is potentially there for him if he continues to show out. So um, it might be a, a year-long loan and then back with the club, uh, maybe for me, Dan. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen some loans work really, really well, uh, sometimes not on our behalf because we end up selling the players like, uh, you know, a, a De Bruyne. Um, 
but you know we've also seen him work on our behalf now too with with Christensen. Um, you know we're seeing uh, Masanda getting some opportunities with with Celtic right now. Uh, assisted in goal recently. Um, Michi went to a perfect place and system for him to be uh, an exceptional talent and get an opportunity to build some confidence. So uh, I think if we can find the right situation, uh, positive attacking side. Um, you know, someone, you know, maybe a couple individuals that he can link up with appropriately, that there is an opportunity for that. I think the point that you made though, Nick, with, uh, you know, Pedro getting a little bit older, uh, you know, William being older, Hazard, you know, resigns, um, there could be in the next season, uh, I think the question is, do we, if we sign another, you know, forward attacker, um, that would probably be an indication we need to move him out on loan. But if, if we don't and we want to try to develop uh, the youth and depending upon if or if not, you know, Antonio Conte is our manager next season, uh, th- there could be an opportunity for him to get, I think, more significant minutes. You know, if he becomes the Hazard has 20 minutes, you know, it gets 20 minutes off every game because we're cruising a little bit more and Hudson Odoi can come in and get 20 minutes, you know, uh, every week, then I would love to see him stay and, and learn to flourish from, you know, our very, very talented team, Nini. So, I mean, I, I, where, where do you land on that? Well, here's how I see things. Remember that um, Sancho for Man City went to Dortmund in the summer and he's been playing games for them. He's been starting a lot more now recently since after Christmas. And when I compare the ability of hudson Odoi and Sancho, I don't think Sancho's superior. I think um, they're probably in the same tier in terms of quality. And if I can see that Sancho can perform playing for Dortmund at a higher level, then it tells me that hudson Odoi can easily do that. And already we're seeing him do certain things, you know, his first touch, his link-up play, he knows when to pass the ball. Everything's looking pretty effortless and pretty easy. And I just think Chelsea need to start adapting their style with certain youth. It's too risky just sending them on loan to clubs. I'm thinking, I don't want to see Hudson Odoi in the championship. Yeah, people might say it's going to help with you, uh, you know, developing your strength. But I mean, does that really help attacking players of his dimensions? I don't think so. I think, for example, if we were to take that risk of, you know, using this loan system, which isn't as effective all the time, we could hamper his development. And for example, with Sancho, he's only going to start playing more and more. He's only going to develop faster. And I'm by next season, I'm sure he'll probably have an international cap for England. I think that hudson Adoy can reach those same heights. He's going to be 18-2 next season. I think it's time for the club to keep some of their best players, as Conte is doing now with Ampadu, hudson Adoy, for example, within the club to use them instead of loaning them out to you know, a random team in France or in the Championship. Well, we'd love to know your thoughts as we uh, kind of head on social this week. So uh, do you think hudson Joy should stay and, and kind of maybe adopt the thoughts that Nini had about uh, the club keeping a couple of gems alongside for development in the season? Let us know. Hit us up uh, at London Blue Pod. Uh, last one we saw, we'll make a note quickly before kind of transitioning, uh, was just Kyle Scott. Um, who, as Dan Levine was very happy to point out, uh, has been capped at U16 for England, uh, U17 for Republic of Ireland, and U18 for USA. Uh, hashtag hedging his bets. Uh, <laughs> but he, he was able to get a little bit of a few minutes there. And uh, I know I saw some American flag emojis being tweeted out, Nick, as uh, he <laughs> hopped onto the pitch. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. It's too, it's still too early to, to kind of understand what his, his international career is going to look like, but I thought he looked pretty, pretty good. Um, I was surprised to see him get an appearance and, um, you know, I, th- I think he, he showed a decent range of passing and he got caught one time with that, with that pass across midfield, which was really stupid. But, um, yeah, I, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised to see, to see Kyle Scott in the game. Uh, not, uh, surprised Nini to see the mullet that he has going, uh, right now, but that's, that's just a hairstyle choice, man. Yeah, his hair style is pretty uh, crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it belongs in the 80s. So, um, I mean, maybe he's a fan of the 80s. I'm not too sure. Who knows? But with Kyle, what I like about him, he he likes a tackle. Now, for some guy that's not built very strong, he does like to get stuck in. So I, I did laugh in the stadium when he got that yellow card because I, I wasn't surprised he was going to get one, to be honest. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I, I felt, especially in the Checker Trades tournament, he's been pretty impressive in midfield. He really keeps things ticking. He makes tackles. His positioning's very good. He likes to call for the ball as well. So I can kind of see why Conte has kept him in the squad. Maybe this guy is the type of player that needs a loan move. Maybe in Holland with Vitesse, for example. Who knows? But uh, yeah, he's a decent player. Yeah, I think I think the only thing he needs to complete the look is is... A blonde mustache, just uh, just some real get, high get, shorts, just yeah. to get that NASCAR look going. Uh, uh, he he was he was impressive yesterday, Dan. Good stuff. Yeah, he needs uh, the short sleeves. Uh, he needs uh, you know maybe kind of fray them during halftime. Maybe no one will notice. Uh, and then uh, real high shorts, uh, long white socks. He could get the whole '80s vibe going here. I mean, maybe a headband too. You borrow, uh, borrow Fabregas's. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I think we, you know, from a player perspective, we want to talk about this match is uh, uh, Palomari did make his debut and uh, Giroud got an opportunity to play a little bit more. Uh, cool stat, I thought, was that this was the first time since January 2017 for Arsenal against Bournemouth where Olivia Giroud has been involved in three goals in a single match. Um, and I, I, Nick, I think I was probably what we were hoping to see that he was going to start to do when he train, you know, came across town, but I think it was great to see him link up so well so soon. And I think this speaks to his ability as a professional. Yeah, um, I think as he plays more, he'll get more suited to the system. Hopefully that's when the confidence will actually come into play. Sometimes, I don't know, it can be a little bit ineffective uh, in the final thirds. But um, I mean, I've been I've been happy with him so far, to be honest. 
there was also the good moment where uh, before uh, the, the penalty kick was taken, uh, he was pointing directly to the left. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Willie saw that, but uh, excellent uh, pickup there by uh, our, our French meaty forehead to try and help his keeper out. That was uh, quite a bit of insight. He's, uh, he's a smart player, and let's, uh, let's hope we don't have too many of those penalty situations for him to help out on. Uh, but, he, yeah, he was good, and I think, you know, to, to our point earlier, I think Emerson looked good, too. Um, this is a guy who, you know, made his, made his start yesterday, his first appearance for the club, uh, had some really good attacking movements, uh, I think was still kind of learning as the game evolved where he was uh, – supposed to be Nini. Uh, there were a couple of times where he was way out of position, but it uh, looked like he had a good amount of pace and, and strength as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, Emerson has been the player I've been really looking forward to making his debut. I really like the attributes he possesses. I kind of feel, you know, his ability to run at people, the pace especially. I mean, I've missed seeing pace on that left-hand side. I think that's um, definitely going to be key in the future. If I'm being honest... I don't think he's going to play as much till the end of the season. I think we're really going to see the real Emerson next season. And um, I thought with this performance, he was basically fulfilling his job. He wasn't doing anything too fancy. He wanted to keep the basics and do them very well. And um, the manager is going to look at that and think, you know what, I can trust this guy when I need to. Yeah, of course, he's not airily dominant like Alonso is. But in terms of his the recovery pace, I felt that... Um, I like his tenacity in the tackle in terms of he likes to get close to his man to win the ball. And I just think that as he gets used to the system and his teammates, he's going to, he's going to be much more effective in the final thirds. And I think, uh, you know, our friend, uh, you know, mutual friend Joe Tweeds uh, did highlight the fact that it didn't look like he had lost any of his pace or agility. Uh, remember that uh, Palomari had an ACL injury, very similar to the one that, uh, Baba Rockman had uh, suffered and has recovered and only played, uh, you know, very minimal minutes uh, for Roma this past season. So uh, I think we're going to get a chance to see, uh, you know, exactly what the player being scouted by Juventus as the backup option for Sandro, if we had purchased him, uh, is very capable of. And if you know Juventus was looking at him, um, you know, there's there's definitely a talented individual there. Exactly. We, finally, we finally beat him to one. We got we, <laughs> it's it's been forever, but we finally beat him to a player. That's that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, and we we have a good record when it comes to buying good defenders, especially for bargain prices. You know, I think Ivanovic and Aspie are recent examples. I mean, getting Zuma on the cheap as well. There've been so many players, and I kind of feel that Emerson is going to be an important player for the future. So I think it was a great business to sign him. Yeah, I agree. So as, as we round out of this, uh, the draw for the next round of the FA Cup will happen uh, today. So sometime as we're recording this or a little bit later, uh, we will find out who Chelsea is going to play on the weekend of March 16th through the 19th. Chelsea is ball number three. Uh, you know, all the some of the usuals, uh, you know, uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, Southampton, Leicester, uh, Brighton are, are all in there. Uh, Tottenham. Um, so, you know, definitely not uh, an easy Rochdale. draw. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not an easy draw in, in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, beyond that, any other thoughts from the, the match, gentlemen? 
Uh, no, this was this was needed. Um, very pleased with the result. I think the you know you you had many options for a potential man of the match. Um, William wins it uh, going away, but uh, we needed this. We needed the confidence of the last two matches to even have a chance against Barcelona. We will be getting to that in part three. Um, it, it's it is a it's a massive uh, boost for us, Nini. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, obviously seven goals in the past two games, especially when we have been conceding quite a lot. You know, against uh, uh, you know Watford and uh, you know the other <laughs> the other game as well, which I've completely forgotten about. Bournemouth, Bournemouth, yeah, yeah Bournemouth as well. And um, yeah, I mean, really, Barca aren't scoring as much, even though they're winning. It's good that as you're making the points earlier about obviously confidence players, William being a confidence player, especially. You know, goals brings confidence. So again, hopefully the player is going to be, you know, mentally prepared for Tuesday. All right. Well, that was our recap of Hull City. Glad to advance the next round. Glad to see a ton of youth get the opportunity to shine. And uh, William to, uh, you know, hopefully transition away from being the punch card player. So before <laughs> we chat about your social media questions, Nick, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, we are going to go back to London in a very short amount of time uh, with our friends at XL Tours. That's right. We're, we're just buying our tickets today, uh, our plane tickets to get back over. But um, yeah, it, again, if you are at all interested in coming on this trip, uh, we already have I think about 10 to 15 people signed up to go. So it's a good group. Um, we would love to have you. Uh, what's included in this thing would be a ticket to one of the uh, most hotly contested matches of the year. Uh, Nini can back us up on that. Chelsea Spurs at, at the bridge is uh, no joke. Very difficult to get tickets to as well. So we have those nailed down. You'll stay at the, the Millennium or Copthorne Hotel that's connected to the stadium. That's great. Uh, we'll do a live pod. We'll have other fun experiences uh, wrapped up into this as well. Uh, potentially going on some sort of pub crawl, potentially uh, getting a chance to uh, to head to Cobham if if we're so lucky. We're kind of working on that now, so there's a lot, Dan, to uh, to take in. But um, what should they do? What should the the people do uh, to get in touch with us on, on this? Uh, they can DM us. They can email us at contact at londonisbluepodcast dot com. They can uh, yell, but that might be ineffective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so just please hit us up with any questions we'd love to answer them uh, we've had a couple recently we've been able to to help uh you know try to figure out if this is going to work for them but uh you know thanks again to our friends at xl tours for helping us coordinate these because you know it definitely makes uh making this trip so much easier and uh you know li- life is busy they they make it uh, less stressful so with that said, we're going to talk about uh, some of the questions you have and a little bit of a social media lightning round today. Uh, first one, Nick, comes from our friend Matthew, uh, 1689 Jedi. And actually, he is joining us on the trip over to London. But he was asking about uh, what I'm going to call closey close Louise. Past couple games, <laughs> Louise has been the only one not wearing Chelsea gear behind that bench. I really like Louise, but it just bothers me. Thoughts, question mark, lightning round, go. I don't know what this means. Uh, you know, I wish I, I wish I did. I mean, I think it's it's not it's not unknown that you know he's not pumped about uh, his current situation at Chelsea. It just seems seems very odd and not uh, not team player ish. Nini, this Lloris situation is is 
you know, pretty weird. So, um, you know, Conte was really, you know, praising him a lot last season, especially talking about him being a world-class defender and stressing his importance. And I don't know, I'm, I'm hope, I was hoping by now that things would be better. I'm, I know that Luis has picked up a lot of injuries as well, but it seems like the relationship between them isn't the best right now. Maybe Luis, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm looking into it. Maybe it's an act of defiance. I don't think so, to be honest. I don't even know why I even said that. Um, like Luis has always been a character. He's always been pretty eccentric. So I guess, you know, you know wearing a different training kit just to express his personality or something. I mean, that's all I can think of. Purple coat and all. Yes. <laughs> all right. We, we did have one uh, wonderful gag question here, uh, which, uh, you know, highlights back to some events earlier in the week from Aldemiro on Facebook. The Chelsea... <laughs> Um, if the Chelsea genie granted you three wishes, what other than being able to see into the uh, Conte's mind when he got that United shirt? Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Antonio Conte was uh, presented with a signed Antonio Conte Manchester United jersey uh, inked with uh, Mourinho's uh, signature at the press conference this week. Uh, and I'm sure if you saw into Antonio Conte's mind, it was just fire and brimstone ringing down on the individual handing it to him. Uh, what would you wish for? Um, man, Chelsea genie, three wishes. Um, yeah, that, that we win the Champions League three more times. Um, that would be it. That would be what I wanted, Nini. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Champions League, I, you know, I miss, I, I was lucky enough to go to the final, so I've lo- I'd love to experience that again. So, yeah, the Champions League for me. Yeah, I mean, maybe a uh, reincarnated uh, Frank Lampard to, uh, to join the team. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that too. Um, as we go through here, um, so uh, Trini Chase on Instagram asked, uh, this is the first time in ages Chelsea has had a good B team. Uh, thoughts? My opinion, the lineup today was perfect from a mid to low table team while other players took rest for Champions League and big matches. Uh, Nini, do you think that we finally have a good B team comparative to what we've seen previously? Um, I think we do because of the investment this summer in particular. You know, Conte was stressing a lot at the end of last season about improving the squad depth and making the squad bigger. And he wants more options instead of having the 14 or 15 he had last year. So that's definitely the case. And um, and yeah, I mean, of course, in terms of the rotation and things, it's, uh, it's really helped. I mean, a lot of players have been getting some injuries, especially with the hamstrings. But, you know, we have the squad depth to really cope with that. Yeah, I would, I would say, look, yes, things are better when we win. Um, but I, but I also would would point you to the Norwich FA Cup match a few weeks back to show you that, um, you know, it just it varies by experience, right? Like our our B team against Norwich, you know, was barely, you know, by the skin of our teeth, able to get over the line. Um, and you know, to me, it's it's not quite there yet. You know, I, I will differ a little bit on this. I think. Whole city played into our hands yesterday. They sat back really deep and, you know, didn't have that much energy, didn't really provide a threat going forward. So it was it was pretty easy to take the match to them. But, you know, you know, if, if we had to play a B team against Manchester United, how would they look? Well, I'm not sure about that. 
All right. So those were just a few of the social media questions we got this week. Thanks to everyone for sharing them out. Uh, we are going to head into our last section here. We take a look at the Barcelona match before we uh, break for uh, the week or the you know for the next couple of days. But Nick, we we have one exciting last announcement uh, for those who maybe missed out on winning a kit uh, with our friends at World Soccer Shop. Correct. Yeah. So we uh, when we were uh, at uh, at Chelsea in December. Uh, we were lucky enough to uh, meet with the club, uh, and and one of the things that we were able to kind of pick up on was that, you know they're they're pumped about uh, the American audience that we're we're developing. Um, so that that was really cool, and they also gave us a, page, a signed Pedro kit to give away. Um, authenticated and everything so we have we will we'll be putting up the contest uh probably on sunday uh, probably as you're listening to this it's really cool it's authenticated pedro scored yesterday too so that timing just worked out beautifully for us because he had looked pretty bad in january um but we are we are super pumped about this dan what would someone have to do to be able to be entered to win this this giveaway well, you'll be able to see all the details over at our Instagram channel slash page at London Blue Pod, and the details will be there. It's actually going to be super easy to enter yourself in. Um, just uh, be a resident of uh, the world. Yes, we will even fund the shipping fees to Antarctica if we need to to get this jersey to you. Um, but you'll need to be following us, and there might be one or two things like tagging a friend that you have to do, but all the details will be on our Instagram page at London Blue Pod. And hey, you know what? If you're not on there already, maybe a good opportunity, a good time to do that because a signed Pedro kit might be in your future. Well, it's Champions League again, and uh, we might not be as excited as we normally are <laughs> to see Chelsea take the field against the mighty individuals like Carabag, where we somehow win and uh, you know go up this time against... Um, Barcelona. Yeah. Thankfully not PSG. You know, that, that would have been, uh, you know, probably not as fun either. But uh, it will take place at Stamford Bridge this Tuesday. And, uh, you know, Nick, if uh, you're skipping out of work uh, in America, like many of the others, other members of Chelsea in America are, uh, if you're in Dallas, you might be uh, hanging out with the Shed End for, uh, folk at the Londoner in Addison. Uh, I know we'll probably be hitting up, uh, you know, maybe our break room or, uh, you know, taking it in from the car. Yep. But, you know, uh, how, how are you feeling in general? <laughs> um, in general, uh, fine. Uh, yeah, look, here, here's the thing. Chelsea are not favored to come out of this tie. They're just not. Uh, Barcelona's played better all year. They're had more talent. Um, and, and, you know, they have the greatest player in the world. Um, this task specifically, uh, Chelsea has faced, uh, in recent years, three other times and come out unscathed. Uh, I think, you know, if you're a Chelsea fan, what you have to kind of be banking on is that, um, the team shows the trademark fight and hustle and outworks Barcelona, um, and, and has a little bit of luck uh, involved. And 
you know, that's worked pretty well in the past, Nini, uh, as a as a tactic and a way to beat them. And, uh, you know, let's let's hope that it happens again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ugh, I'm really nervous with the game on Tuesday. Uh, I'm really getting stressed out about it already. Um, I think against Barcelona, I might sound a bit harsh, but I really don't think it's going to be a game about getting the tactics right because I'm not too confident that Conte will get the right system for the game. So in my opinion, I think it's really going to come down to individual grit by the players, determination, work rate, and definitely luck. You know, if we can score from a set piece, penalty. I mean, probably not a penalty. We don't get them against Barcelona, but, <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, a counter-attack or something and that's really digging deep because the only bonus is that Barca aren't the same Barcelona anymore. They don't play that tiki-taka football anymore. They're not as dominant in possession. So, and they do like to play a bit more direct compared to how they've ever played under Pep. So there should be more counter-attacking opportunities in that case. But uh, sometimes I get these Man City flashbacks, you know, that game against them where mm-hmm. we lost 1-0 and it was really poor. And sometimes I think we could be facing another Man City 2.0 situation. I, I would I would say this, you know, if, you know, we, we all kind of feel the same way about this and you know, I'm throwing Dan in, into our equation here. But the, the thing that I always bring up with sports is, uh, you know, there are two teams on the field. You know, it doesn't mean that Chelsea are better right now at all because they're not. Uh, but, you know, Bar- Barcelona's not, you know, hopefully they're just not going to walk through us. Hopefully Chelsea puts up a fight, you know, uh, theoretically punches them in the nose to see what they're made of. And, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, like they Barcelona has to play too, right? They, you know, they don't just get granted a pass to the next round because they have Messi. Um, and if you think about it, you know, Chelsea have, you know, a, a really, really special player themselves who has stated multiple times that it's his goal to win the Champions League. And we will see if Hazard has what, it, you know, what he what he says he wants to go do in his in his bag, because this is the opportunity you want to show out against the best teams in the world with the best players and, and put on a show. And I hope that he does. I hope that he leads the team that way. Yeah. I mean, again, I agree with that sentiment as well because we're going to need that. But again, maybe I'm sounding a bit cynical or a bit pessimistic. I'm not too sure. But in a lot of big games when we play teams, I kind of feel that the reason why we struggle a lot more, the reason why opposition teams tend to play better against us, they might not necessarily get the results, but they seem to outplay us, is the fact that we really get dominated on the flanks. And of course, we use a wing-back system if your wing-backs don't get forward, it really affects the team. And I think too often, our wing-backs are pushed in way too deep. They're forced then have to play direct balls. And because they are playing those direct balls to like a Murata or, or Hazard up front, that's not really the ideal zones on the pitch where, for example, Hazard should be receiving the ball. I'm thinking against Barca, you know, that Alba and Roberto are going to push forward. They are going to leave those spaces in behind. And I'm just hoping that... Conte is going to get Hazard to maybe drift into those spaces to obviously have the space to run at people because Hazard can get past anyone in the world. So thinking about that, you know, and, you know, maybe Antonio Conte doesn't get the you know, the tactical outlay right, you know, but I think one of the things that we were asked was 
what is our starting 11 for this match? What are the 11 players that we would put in, uh, which may dictate what that system would be that we would play? Um, you know, it's love to hear, you know, I, I don't think maybe out of the three of us, uh, you know, obviously Courtois would start between the sticks. Unless you think we're going to have a penalty to save in the match, then you might, you might go with Willie. Um, but then, you know, Christensen, uh, Rudiger, and Dave. as for Laqueta, yep, would be everybody's back three. Correct. Yeah, it's looking like that. I think Luis is out for this game, right? Uh, Bakayoko, most certainly. Luis, uh, given his his uh, attitude on the bench, probably not going to be making an appearance. Um, and then, so w- what's everybody's midfield? Are we doing a midfield uh, five across? Are we doing four across? What, what doing, do you guys think? I'm going a four. I'm going with a four. I. I think we have looked so much better in a in a three four three. We have to score a goal or two at home to even have a chance of a steal. Um, so my my lineup across would go Moses and Golo Conte, uh, Cesc Fabregas and uh, Mark Alonso, assuming that he's healthy and back, which I have no idea. But if not, then Emerson on the left. For my team, I think that. We will use a five in midfield. I think I'm using just previous games as examples. So against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup, we had the advantage that we did have the first game at home. And I felt that really, we didn't really take the game too much towards Arsenal. And that's really what cost us in the second leg. And I kind of knew that if we didn't win the first leg at home, we weren't going to obviously qualify to the final. And um, in Conte, He's had uh, a few periods, actually quite a lot of times, where he he does maybe go for the pragmatic approach. And I think against Barcelona, I can't see him risking using a 3-4-3, especially with Cesc in midfield. Um, I don't know. I think there's going to be something different. I think either Drinkwater will play or either this whole Bakayoko uh, injury isn't really as deep as what it's being made out to be and he could make a surprise appearance or maybe he might decide to use Louise in midfield which we've seen him do against Roma and, and Spurs and I'm I'm kind of going for the Louise in midfield so I think Conte is going to rely on that and I think that it would, will be Moses on the right uh, Fabregas, Kante, Louise and Alonso uh, as left wing back That is, that's bold my man <laughs> <laughs> Go hard or go home, I yeah. love it I, th- I see it being more realistic than him just being happy with Kante and Sesk in a midfield too. I don't think Conte is going to do that. Oh man, it would it would be uh, it would be fun to to see the uh, the three four three. I, I I don't know. I feel like the pragmatic approach is going to be uh, is going to be a five. Um, and I don't necessarily know if I with a, a maybe a drink water Conte fabric gas solution. Um, it could potentially be where we go. I mean, the drink water did just play a significant amount of time this past match. Um, Here, here's the question, though: If if you are, are you more concerned at home? You know, we're at home. Are you more concerned with missing out on Willian and uh, in, in replace of drink water, or are you, you know, trying to score? Because like, I think that Willian. You know, my, my front three, just to kind of skip ahead here, would be Willian, Hazard, and, uh, and Giroud to, to get this match kind of in a place where I feel comfortable. And then I think you play maybe a 3-5-2 five, uh, uh, away, you know, where you want to control the midfield a little bit more. That's my tactics. I'm not saying you guys have to do that, but 
I don't think you sacrifice William for a drink water or Louise uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, if I was to change the question slightly, of course, we asked what lineup do we see Conte picking? If I had to choose my own lineup, I would like to see us using. I was speaking earlier about maybe using William as a guy in the midfield three. I think that could make a lot of sense because, um, especially against Arsenal in the first leg in the Carabao Cup, Drinkwater was a guy in midfield that really had to, you know, push up forward and carry the ball. And he couldn't do that because he doesn't have the legs or pace to do that. And I don't know, with Drinkwater in a midfield three, it's not really the best because really with Drinkwater, this is a guy that should be playing behind the halfway line. That's how he's made his career, really. And I think against Barca, because we will be playing on the counter, having that pace and the legs is going to be vital. So I'm hoping that Conte will think of using Willian in a midfield three. And I'm, I'm feeling a bit more confident that he actually might even decide to do that because there have been times where Willian has been pushed into forming a, a midfield three when we, when we defend off the ball. So I think that that could be a real possibility for that game. And I think it makes a lot more sense because we have to win. And I don't see us getting a win against Barca because I don't think we've ever won at the new Camp. Uh, we've drawn to qualify a lot of times. So I, I don't think we've actually won a game at the new Camp. So really, when we do tend to go through, it is at home. So really, we have to win the first leg. All right, so we know uh, some midfield options we discussed, and then uh, up top, uh, you know, Nick, it sounds like you want uh, a little front three, Hazard, Drew, and William uh, up top. Are, are you putting Morata in, Nini, or are you, you running with the Frenchman? Uh, definitely Morata for that pace, because they are going to be receiving the ball very deep. And Giroud, as we saw yesterday, he, he can't run. Uh, see, th- see, this is where we... It's, it's good. It's a good, healthy discussion. I think especially... When you look at um, the second leg, you know, I'm kind of projecting out. Let's, yeah. let's say that we have a chance going into the second leg. <laughs> um, I think I think Murata's pace on the counter in, in that second leg could be lethal. Um, kind of maybe you might have his own Torres moment um, on, on the counter. So uh, I, I think Giroud at home feels comfortable has a good supporting cast around him. Hazard and William have enough pace to, to get by people. Pedro off the bench. I'm going Giroud. I think he, he's played well um, and, and deserves it. Dan, what about you? I, I, I tend to think the fact that Morata did not play the entirety of the game is very telling of the fact that our, our Spaniard striker will be leading the line, uh, much to probably the disappointment of some of the uh, the Chelsea Twitter brigade as the uh, lineups get announced on Tuesday. Because um, Giroud uh, more recently has finished a goal with his feet than Morata has, so uh, clearly he is the better option, uh, or something like that may be the, the argument of choice. But uh, I, I do believe that uh, you know if we can play the way we did away to Madrid um, I, I think we we have a chance at, at drawing something out of this game um, and, and hopefully uh, taking uh, taking goals from it I, I think not allowing Barcelona to score is going to be extremely challenging it's going to require uh, a lot of mental fortitude to, to make it happen but you know we, we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what your projected lineups might be 
as we head into uh, this week with the Barcelona match uh, on the horizon, make sure again it's going to be a Tuesday. It's going to be in that uh, near the end or middle of your workday, depending upon what part of the coast you're in in the United States. Uh, and we want to make sure that you don't miss it. So, uh, fake meeting, uh, fake illness, uh, fake puppy you're buying that you need to take the day off of for work, whatever it might be, uh, make sure to get those in now. But uh, gentlemen, final thoughts before we go. Uh, Nini, thank you again for joining us. Uh, you know, obviously you should, uh, you know, obviously, you know, for those who don't know Nini, uh, you should tell them where to find you on, uh, you know, Twitter and also on YouTube. You guys can follow me on Twitter. That's at Nini FC. But follow me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Blue Lines TV. I cover everything related to Chelsea. I talk about transfer news, match reviews, previews, tactical analysis, discussions, podcasts, live streams, everything. Everything a Chelsea fan would want, I cover on my channel. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nini. Nick, you have any closing thoughts as we head out of here today? Yeah, again, uh, it, it is... Uh, it's it's important for Chelsea fans to understand that, that even though uh, these two legs against Barca, United, City away, are going to be incredibly difficult, there's no doubt about it. The only way you get through that is just by fighting, fighting as hard as you can. And uh, we have a manager who I, I think enjoyed a good fight in his day. So um, let's see what happens. And obviously we're not... We're not favored to come out of this unscathed, but uh, crazier things have happened, Dan. They have. My closing thought for today is uh, just if you have not read it, our friend Joe Tweeds did a wonderful piece this week for uh, football.london where he detailed uh, you know, who the director of football uh, should be for Chelsea now that Michael Manalo has left. And it was quite a wonderful read. Went through a couple of the, uh, the former player uh, or personnel options that might exist for the club um, from Balak to Hulet to Lampard and, and more. So uh, definitely a wonderful read. But on that note, we are done. We are out of here. You're going to go on and enjoy the rest of your day or wherever you might be. Uh, thank you again for listening. And you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.